Hey, everybody. Okay, this is a bonus episode. This is extra. If 15 minutes of Parsha a week is not enough for you, if you're jonesing for more Parsha, then you, you may know that I teach a weekly Parsha class here at ICAR in Los Angeles every Thursday at noon uh, Pacific time. You're welcome. Um, we've got folks joining us virtually from places as far away as Japan on, on Zoom. And uh, we've been archiving video edits of the classes on YouTube, but we thought we might try cutting down the one-hour class to about 40 minutes for you, for the listeners of the Best Book Ever podcasts that might not be able to fit a midday class on a Thursday into your schedule. So I hope you enjoy listening to these as much as I enjoy teaching them. Um, if you're interested to attend the class from wherever you are in the world in person, then stick around at the end of the podcast. I'll tell you how to register. Um, just like the podcast, it's absolutely free, and we'd love to have you. Hello, everybody. All right, here we are. We made it. We made it so far. This is like, this is already an accomplishment. You know, uh, it's certainly an accomplishment for me to be here today. I'm, um, I I'm exhausted and spiritually and, and physically um, from uh, Rosh Hashanah. I hope, I hope you are as well. I, I think we should be a little bit like battered and, and, um, and in good and bad ways, exhausted, right? Like, um, you know, this is supposed to be a trying experience, an intense experience, let's say, at least that. Um, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, this journey, we're um, in a Sarat Chuva, like we're, we're, we're in this really holy, holy period. Um, and uh, there are, um, you know, I hope, I hope some of you are with us for Rosh Hashanah and whatever way that you could be. There's all kinds of ways to be with us these days. Um, but coming and, and being with us in LA, if you can, is, is the best of all. I love to see uh, folks um, and be able to, to celebrate the new year with you. Um, and uh, if you are in LA, I'll say uh, one, uh, uh, one announcement. Um, uh, we have a Tashlich ceremony on uh, Sunday at the, uh, at the beach. And it's one of our really special moments of the year. Really, you should really come. Um, okay. Um, what else can I say? What else can I say? Oh, I, one other announcement. I must say, I guess I should start saying this, that I do, I, I've been saying this for like years, but I, I do think that I have a book coming out this fall on the Parsha. I do think it'll be out by, by Bereshit. Um, so I guess I should start talking about it now and I, you'll, you'll, it'll be like, you'll hear about it as ad nauseum for me this year as I try to, um, uh, you know, trot it around and I may trot around and, and see, hopefully visit some of you. I'll try to like do a little, a little touring and teaching just for fun. Um, but it's something that I've been working on for a long time and mostly I'm just like trying to, like, I'm still, there's, there's, there's edits still happening, but it's, it's ready. The publisher's ready. It's going to go out. So I hope God willing, God willing, right? Like I, I'm davening in, 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 in shul hard for, you know, safe passage into the new year in all kinds of ways. Um, so stay tuned for that book. It's, it's called Par Parshanut or Parshanut actually is, is the way it's usually pronounced. I mean, the people usually pronounce it. Okay. Torah. Okay, so he, here we are in, in the middle of, of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and um, everything, uh, the entire um, uh, Jewish consciousness is focused on this ex spiritual experience, and, and well, it should be. And, um, and, but, but because of that, something terrible happens, which is that these last parshot of the Torah get forgotten. These last parshot, and they're vital. Of course, the Torah, the greatest book of all time, does not end on like a flat note, you know? I mean, these last parshot are very intentionally, there's a very clear structure of events that are, that are happening. In brief, I will say, last week we looked at Parshat Nitzavim and that was the, the sealing of the covenant. Everything that had been heard so far, let's agree to it. This week, we're going to talk about 
what happens in Parshat Vayelech is the writing down of the Torah. Huge deal, huge, huge deal. And that's what we're going to be talking about today in, in a particular way. Um, next week, Parshat Hazinu is the other great poem of the Torah or song of the Torah. Um, the one is, is the song, uh, uh, song of the Sea, um, which, uh, you know, as Yashir Moshe of which is in our prayers, but Hazinu is the other great kind of um, section of the Torah entirely in verse. Moses's great last song to the people, magnificent, um, scary, <laughs> lots to talk about there. And then the last Parsha of the Torah, which really gets lost because we don't even have a week assigned to it. We read it during, um, during um, Simchas Torah. Um, the last, the last Parsha of the Torah is a blessing. It's a blessing, Moshe's blessing to all the tribes of Israel. It's like everything there is grand and magnificent and it get, just gets lost in the shuffle. Because how, how can we not talk about Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur? Well, I'm going to talk about Parshat Vayelech today, and I'm not going to relate it at all to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. No, I mean, and, and we'll see where it lands with our spiritual kind of lives, of course, of course. But, but, but what's really critical is that we understand some of what's going on in Parshat Vayelech, because it's, it's, it's actually foundational um, material uh, because it helps us think about one of the foundational questions in Jewish theology, which is what is the written legacy of Moses or of that time or of that chapter in our existence as a people? What, what is that? And that becomes a very important theological defining point for lots of, you know, lots of Jewish um, communities and thinkers. And, but it's, it's not clear. It's not clear at all. Um, and um, part of the dilemma is that in the midst of all of this writing of Torah, there's also the discussion of writing something else down. And that is um, a, a shira, a poem. And, and we're going to hear about the writing of these two things and, um, and kind of dance a little bit between them to try and figure out, wait, what's being written down and, and why? Okay, so that's our that's our project today, and I hope it'll help us better understand what Torah might be, what poetry might represent it for our people, and um, and 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 maybe above all, what what writing means for us. And there, there is, you know, uh, 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 that's an important topic. That's an important topic. And and uh, and I guess I, I I'll signal there is one note. Um, there that already like plucks a chord of 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 the yamim naraim which is that we are written into the book of life god willing we're written and that language of writing is a it's a metaphor we use in this tradition to be written into something and that that's that's a powerful way we say now to each other gmar hatimatova may may what was written down be sealed like it's like the the consecrated writing of something that's a big deal okay uh, now I'm, I'm like teaching the whole class before I teach the whole class. Okay, so let's, um, let's say a blessing. Oh, it's a, it's a, it's an intense time of year. So let's try to center ourselves in Torah. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam asher kitshanu b'mitzvotav v'tzivanu la'asok v'divrei Torah. Thanks to God for always giving us this space to just, to return to this, to this book, to return to this book and to, to live in it. Um, okay, so let's uh, let's take a look. Uh, what I want to do today with you, I'm gonna set this up a little bit, and and and, and then we'll 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 need your your help for sure to figure out what what these two primary words mean um, in context here. But let me set this up a little bit. I want to set it up by referring to a piece of Talmud that I have spoken about before. And it's a very, very powerful, important piece of Talmud. Um, uh, it was um, it was a, 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 a piece we did um, that really inspired uh, a, a whole, a whole, a whole way of looking at the Torah, um, because it, it, it is 
the, the punchline I'll tell you is that one of the voices in this piece of Thomas suggests that the whole Torah is a poem. And that's a powerful, that's, that is, that, that lens is so powerful for thinking about how we read the Torah. And we often do read the Torah, even though it, it often speaks in prose, we read it like, oh, every word is like hitting us with a rhythm, like a, like a poem. And it's written rhythmically. And there are lots of theories about just how much of the Torah is a, meant to be a poem. A lot of it feels, sounds rhythmic. We chant it to a, to a rhythm, right? So uh, this is a whole, a whole framework for thinking about the Torah. But it, the, in the Talmud itself, it's a debate of two ways of reading what's going on here. And I wanna just give you the debate and then we'll go into the Parsha and understand both of those readings. I actually think both of them are really important for us to hold on to. Not just that the Torah is a poem, but actually the other position, which is that the Torah and poetry are two different things. Okay, so let's take a look. Um, here is a, a source sheet for you all. Okay, so here we are. Um, Let's start now with this Gemara in Nadarim. That's where we're starting. Okay, do I, can I make this bigger? I can. Okay, Gemara Nadarim, starting up at the top here. Nadarim, which means vows, but um, uh, along the way, there's there's a discussion in Nadarim. It's a the background here is um, is sort of like in, in an intricate one, which we don't need to get into. There's a, to talking about what exactly. Moses received and whether Moses received it before the rest of the children of Israel received it. But anyway, at a certain point, one of the verses they summon is a verse in this week's Parsha. And the verse is, And now write for yourselves this poem. And, and by the way, that's, that's, that's in the plural. So that's also, I shouldn't hide that. That's also part of what's yourselves, write for yourselves this poem and teach it to the children of Israel. The word shira, we're gonna just hang on, it would, be a, it would be a mistake to translate this as poem or song because in English you lose the combo. And in the ancient Hebrew poem song is sort of the same thing. The recitation of poetry was a form of musical expression and yeah, okay? So write this poem down and teach it to the children of Israel. We'll get there. That is a verse in this week's Torah uh, uh, Torah uh, reading. Okay. And one opinion here is, no, what that means is just the poem. Just the poem. Now, what does that, what do they mean by that? This, this opinion saying, when the, the Torah says, write down this poem, it's referring just to the poem itself. What they mean is Parshat Hazinu, right? We, we just mentioned it. Parshat Hazinu is entirely in the form of a poem, okay? But the other opinion says, no, because another, the, the rest of that verse, right? Look, it's the same verse. The rest of that verse says, because I want this shira to be a witness to me among the children of Israel. I want this, this poem to be a witness to me. And that opinion is saying, wait a minute, if the shira is going to be a witness, this poem's not the witness. The whole Torah is the witness. Now, we'll, we'll, why that is, we'll see eventually. But the point of this position is that write down this poem must mean the entire Torah because it's going to be a witness. And it, 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 it's just a kind of a, it, it's a poetic way of referring to the Torah is to call it a poem, okay? That's this position. But the other position is that um, the poem itself is Parshat Hazinu. Okay, is that all? Is that all clear so far? Okay, uh, let's just see your see your faces. <laughs> okay, so two positions there, and let me just 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 to um, make the first position. We're going to go back and read through the relevant sections, but I'm going to skip a little bit to the end. I want you to just see that. The first position, which is that the writing down this, this poem actually refers to the poem that we see next week. It makes a lot of sense because scroll, 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 scroll. Um, this is the end of Moses recited the words of this shira in the ears of the whole congregation of Israel to the very end. That's, that's the last line of our Parsha. And the next week's Parsha, Parsha Razinu is, Hazinu Hashamayim Vadabeira. 
Give ear, O heavens, let me speak. Let the earth hear the words I utter. May, may my discourse come down as, a, as the rain. My speech distill as the dew. So um, beautiful, 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 beautiful stuff. And you can see then why this shira seems like it must be referring to this. That's in some ways the obvious way to read it. Okay. But I want to explain um, uh, as we go why it's not so obvious and why the other position that the whole Torah is the poem is not just a beautiful thing to say, but actually a, a fairly plausible reading of what's happening in this week's Parsha, okay? So um, we'll get there. We'll pause along the way for interpretation. Let's do one more piece before we do that, because I want to start giving us words to think about. And uh, and the first primary word is <laughs> it's a big one, the word Torah. Okay, just the word Torah. So let's let's take a, a running start here and, and look at how we we're introduced to the the idea, <laughs> the very big idea that there is a Torah at all, and that it's a written thing. All right, so let's take a look. Um, okay, scrolling all the way back. Here we are. Okay, I want, uh, uh, this is last week's Parsha, okay? In last week's Parsha, we see a mention of something that Moshe has been doing um, uh, more and more as the book of Deuteronomy comes to a close. You'll find it in earlier Parshot as well. And, um, um, but in Nitzavim, it, 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 it's like, he's really, he says it a lot. And so this phrase is important for us as well. Look, look at him saying, the eternal will grant you abounding prosperity in all your undertakings and your issue from the womb, the offspring of your cattle and your produce from the soil for the eternal will again delight in your well-being as in that of your ancestors. Nice to have some blessing verses to start with here. Since you will be heeding the eternal your God and keeping the divine commandments and laws that are recorded, haktuva, written, written, I should, it should say uh, written here because that's what we're, um, that's what we're thinking about, that, that are written in the, uh, in this book of the Torah. So Moshe's referring to some, this book, this book, this book of the Torah. Now, what is the Torah? Well, the word Torah means teaching, or sometimes it's translated as instruction, like a teaching that guides you in a particular direction. Okay, because um, the word is related to the word for guidance, like an arrow, you know, goes in a certain direction, or like a, a teacher points you or a parent points you in a certain direction, instructs you, okay? So the guide, the, 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 the teaching or instruction, okay? So that's Torah, the book of this instruction, and presumably that means, look, the, the commandments and laws, commandments and laws. So one way to think of this is that it's a, it's a record of what you're supposed to do. Okay, and and once you return to the eternal God with all your heart and soul, all this good stuff will happen. Okay, that's just a little background that we have this phrase, the book of the Torah. And now I'm going to start asking you a question that I want you turning over in your head. What it what's in the book of the Torah as you read here? What do you what do you think is in that book? What's Moses talking about? Write it down. Okay, and then this week Moses actually does it. Okay, and this is the important, important line, uh, maybe the most important line um, in uh, our Parsha, maybe the most important line, some might, could argue, in the Torah. Okay, not the next one, but verse nine. Okay, so let's, let's take a look. This is, this is at towards the beginning of our Parsha. And Moses called Joshua and, and, all, um, and, and said to him in the sight of all of Israel, Chazak ve'amatz, be strong and resolute. We say that to each other, Chazak ve'amatz. For it is you who will go with these people into the land that the eternal swore to their fathers to give them. And it's you who shall apportion it to them. And it is indeed the eternal who will go before you. God will be with you and will not fail you or forsake you. Fear not and be not dismayed. Lo tira velo techat. Okay? Big declaratory stuff. And I will say that Parsha Vayelech is, it's like the, the artistry of Parsha Vayelech is, it's a little dizzying because it goes back and forth from Moshe saying, it's as if he's like writing something down and then looking up and saying, 
you be strong, everybody. You do this. Yeah, you go forward, Joshua, people, everybody. And then it has him writing again. And then it has him lifting up and talking to Joshua again. And then it has him writing again. And then it has, and I, I almost cited the entire Parsha because I wanted to show you that, but I get carried away. So I'm going to restrain myself. But trust me that in, in between all these sections, you'll hear this again and again. Joshua, go for it. Joshua, people of Israel, go for it. You're going to be great. You know, not always such a positive tone, but like strong, be strong, be strong. Okay. And then comes this line. And here's the line. Vayichtov Moshe et haTorah hazot v'itna el hakohanim b'nei Levi hanosim et Aaron brit Hashem v'et kozikne Yisrael. Moses wrote down this Torah and gave it to the priests, the sons of Levi, who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Eternal, and to all the elders of Israel. Okay. Okay. So now we really have something to ask, right? I, I, earlier, it's a little bit speculative. This Torah, I don't know, you just say what you, what do you think the book of Torah means as a phrase? But now we have a scene, and Moshe wrote down this Torah, and remember, the word Torah means teaching or instruction. So the, um, the, uh, the, 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 the translation I first had said, Moses wrote down this teaching. I changed it back to Torah, but what is this teaching? What did Moshe write down there? And you can see already that a, a, a minimalist uh, reading is quite possible. Like it could just be this, the last thing he said. Or it could be the next thing he's going to say. Is it? Is there a colon after this? Or is it uh, uh, um, a reference to what came above? Or is it a reference to literally everything that came above? Okay. And then, there, I'll read just the next part because it also has to do with the, write, the written document. And Moses then commanded them as follows. Not instructed, commanded. I'm frustrated with the, it's a little, it's hard to, it's hard to keep track of the subtlety in the language if you use the same word over and over again. So, and Moses commanded them as follows. Every seventh year, the year set for remission, the Shemitah year, at the festival of Sukkot, when all Israel comes to appear before the eternal your God in the place that God will choose, you shall read this Torah aloud. Okay, you, you gather together on Sukkot every seven years and read this Torah again, et Torah hazot, read it aloud in the presence of all Israel. Now, what, what should be read at a, at a uh, uh, what is it, septicentennial um, uh, uh, gathering? What, what? Uh, okay, so uh, gather the people, men, women, children, and the stranger in your community, everybody, everybody, that they may hear and so learn to revere the eternal your God and to observe faithfully every word of this Torah, the Torah Hazot. And that is starting to sound like that must be the whole Torah. It can't possibly be like, they're just supposed to read this right? What are they supposed to read? And their children too, who have not had the experience, shall hear and learn to review it because they weren't there, but now they'll re-experience it. Now, this ceremony is called hakel, hakel, the gathering. Great. For, for, for us Torah lovers, it's just a great ceremony because it's like, just gather together the everybody in the nation just to hear the Torah. Now, it might have been a little bit rough to hear the sitting. I mean, even on Shabbos, it feels long sometimes, right? Like the entire Torah. But okay, let's pause. Finally, I've been talking for a while, haven't I? So um, let's pause. What is the Torah that Moses wrote down? And what is the Torah that is to be read? How do, how, what do you think it, we're referring to right now? What, and, and is something, is that Torah going in the ark? It looks almost like it's going in the ark, right? So um, what, what's, what's this Torah? Okay, what, what's, the, what's this Torah and what's this reading? Okay, um, let's start with Richard. Thank you. Being a literalist, I've always assumed that to read this Torah, this teaching, this book, Sefer HaTorah, means the book of Deuteronomy, because it encapsulates everything, number one. And number two, uh, didn't they say that the practice was initiated by uh, or reinitiated by um, uh, Ezra and uh, Nehemiah, yeah. Nehemiah, 
Yeah, yeah, they came here, yeah. In an afternoon. So I don't think they were reading the entire five books, at least from later descriptions. C'est phenomenal. That, that, Richard, I just, is so, such an incisive commentator, just like really cuts, cuts, cuts to the heart of it and, um, and bringing a lot of great uh, uh, knowledge to the table also. Because um, Richard is, uh, that's not a, I love that you read that literally or intuitively, that the, that the Torah refers to the book of Deuteronomy. That's not, I didn't make that, uh, that wasn't my intuition. I didn't make that leap. But it is, in fact, the way the rabbis understood the the mitzvah, the gathering of Hakel of the gap. I thought it was. I I read that and I think, oh, it must be the whole Torah. But it's because I'm so used to thinking of the five books of Moses as the Torah. But Richard's saying this teaching, this teaching, it must be the whole of the thing that Moshe has been saying to the people because that's what Deuteronomy is is Moshe's last speech to the people. So it must mean everything from. Um, you know, Deuteronomy on, and just take a look um, at what Rashi says. Baruch uh, Shekivanta, blessed are you whose mind went in the same direction as Rashi's. Um, here's what Rashi says. Read this Torah, Tikrata Torah Zot, the king read from the beginning of the section, uh, Eila Hadvarim. So read from, these are the words. In other words, Deuteronomy 1.1. As is set forth in Tractate Sota, I believe it's even in the Mishnah, that is, the earliest rabbinic code has read this exactly the way Richard has. Like, this must mean what, Mo, what Moses said, this book, this book. And, and therefore, when, when Moshe's saying all along, this book, this book, this book, you know, is, it's, it, that also might just mean Deuteronomy, okay? Now, let me, okay, wait, let's, let's, Let's go back a little bit before I, I could keep going with the commentators, but I see a lot of hands up. So let's let's hear for some from some more some more folks. Um, um, Lewis. Yeah, so it says that they're gonna read whatever we consider the Torah, right? Um, at Sukkot when people have gathered together. I assume that refers to regalim, right? So Sukkot is a regalim holiday, so everyone would come to Jerusalem, offer sacrifices or the appointed place. Uh, is there right. like a, a pilgrimage, in other words, a festival pilgrimage? Yes. Sure. Um, in some ways, uh, couldn't you determine length? Couldn't you determine what was being read sort of by determining time period in which was read? So if it was just one day where you appeared before God, you had to kind of fit whatever you were reading to one day and then intersperse with sacrifices. Has there ever been commentary saying Good. this is how long they were there, therefore they could have only read X amount or Y amount? I should have looked that up. Uh, if, the, if that's a great question, that, 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 like I would love to see some commentary on how long did it take? Because you're sensitive to something Richard was also just mentioning, which is that this has to be a manageable ceremony. Um, they did it in a day, or you know, I mean, the truth is they had more than a day because Sukkot they had the week long festival, and I don't think that it means they read it on the, but but rather in the in the middle of the week, right? So. Um, so like the first days of Sukkot are holidays and yes, you'd be doing all those sacrifices and then the middle of the week, there's all kinds of ceremonies, the ceremony of water drawings and Chat Beit HaShueva and, and Hakel as well. But I, I, should have, I, I should have brushed up on my, on my, on my, on my knowledge of how, how that ceremony went. But it's a good question. And it, it does like, again, to read the entire Torah, I mean, you know, like, it might have made, meant something very different to those people than it means to us. And is there something powerful about the thought of it? But it would be rather burdensome. The entire people, remember, millions of people are gathered together to, you know, children also, and they're just listening for hours and hours. It's just like, so there's that, this is a good argument as well. Okay, okay. Remember, Rashi said, like Richard, it's uh, just the book of Deuteronomy. Um, uh, Nachmanides is going to say, L like Yael first suggested, that it's it's the whole written Torah, and here's a, a precise formulation of what that will mean to the rabbi to rabbinic theology. Um, Ramban on Deuteronomy says, and Moses wrote down this Torah. And, and note that he is referring to an earlier verse. Uh, Rashi's thinking about the gathering. Read this Torah, and but there was an earlier verse. Let's just remind ourselves. There's a gathering where they read the Torah, but Moses wrote down this Torah. And that does a different verse. So Ramban is saying, Moses wrote down this Torah, 
from the beginning of Bereshit, from the first word in the beginning, Bereshit is the Hebrew for in the beginning, to in the sight of all Israel, Israel, which is the last words of the Torah. La first words of Genesis, last words of Deuteronomy. That's it. That's the Torah. Moshe wrote them all. This is, becomes a kind of pillar, foundation stone for Jewish, um, for Jewish, for a certain kind of Jewish theology. Okay. And then the Ramban goes on to say, we're not going to read this, but he's like, I know that there's an idea. He can't really contradict the rabbis who Rashi's citing. Those are earlier rabbis than him. So he says, I know there's this idea that you only read Deuteronomy, and that's true for the ceremony. That's Torah is being used in a different way there. But this, this is the whole Torah, the whole Torah. Okay, all right. All right, so now we have some ideas of what, to, what Torah might mean. Um, oh, I'm so excited to see Yonatan today. How you doing? Um, I, I, I'm always happy to hear his brilliance, but it's nice to see your poem as well. And Shana Tova, uh, uh, I'd love to hear uh, your thoughts on, on, on what this Torah is. Matt and I are having <clears throat> some fun in the chat about uh, biblical criticism and whether we believe the, the Torah's narration, which of course I do and Matt doesn't, and that's okay. Um, and... Uh, Amen to all that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, so Rabbi, I've been you've been um, teaching classes that I've attended for about four years now, and they've really changed the way that I see Revelation. I don't think I landed quite where you are theologically, um, but where I have landed, at least for the time being, is that I think the Torah, capital T Torah, the the Masoretic text, the five books of Moses. Um, is a singular revelation that was given in a singular way to Moses at Sinai, um, but that Moses and then by extension the people weren't quite ready to receive it at one time. And that the, the process of them putting quill to parchment and, and practice was an evolution that at least in the in the literal sense, um, concludes in this section of the Torah. So we know there was some proto-Torah before Moses because we have some indications that the early prophets, including Noah, knew what was in the Torah, right? We know that no one knew, for example, which animals were kosher and which weren't kosher. Um, and that's in Genesis. That's before Sinai ever happened. Mm -hmm. um, we know that when Moses received the revelation at Sinai, um, there's a very small bit of law that he then bathed the people in bull's blood and said, this is the law, right? And we're done. Um, and they weren't done. Um, and, and so the process keeps going and growing with the people as they grow. And then I think we encounter the greatest paradox, which is Moses writes his own death, right? And he writes it with some fair amount of detail. Um, just today, I happened to go down a rabbit hole looking into like rabbinic opinions of how it is possible that Moses, if we accept this premise that Moses sat down and wrote the entire Torah, how it happens that, that he wrote his own death. And there's a dispute between the rabbis in the Midbar Rabbah, um, where some say that actually the, the part of the Torah where Moses dies, Joshua wrote it. And there's a different camp that says Moses wrote it, but he was crying the whole time. Um, and the, then there's a, there's another great commentary that came in the 16th century from, I pulled up the guy's name. Um, where is it? Menachem Zeria of Fano, an Italian rabbi of the 16th century, who said, um, well, really what happened was that on his last living day, Moses wrote 13 Torah scrolls. And that's like, that would explain your comment about how he keeps writing and then getting up and saying stuff and then coming back and writing for sure that we get some explanation on that. Wow. Um, but 12 wow. of the Torah scrolls he left incomplete for Joshua to write in his death. And then this one that he gave to the, to the Kohanim to put in the ark, not only did he write while crying, but it was actually his, his tears turned black and they wrote oh. the last eight verses of, of the, the book of Deuteronomy. Oh. Um, all this by way of saying, just because I believe 
that the entire Torah was given to Moses at Sinai doesn't mean that I believe Moses received the entire Torah at Sinai. I do think he wrote the entire Torah in this parsha. Uh, so that's Yainathan, it is such a bracha to have your to have your Torah in this in this uh, space. Uh, nice to nice to see your face along with it today. But it's really panim shel Torah. Um, uh, you gave us just so much just now. It's also it's nice. It's like there's a lot that there that I wonder if I. Uh, would have had the chance to say so. Thanks for doing a little teaching for me. And there's a lot there that I that I didn't know. I, that is just so that that 13 books and the way it accounts for this sort. That's very beautiful. You know, someone said to me over the holiday. They said, "Oh, it's so nice that you teach these classes and give people space to talk." You know, and I was like, "It's not. I'm not like this is not a kindness. I'm not like you know like I create a space because it just like makes people feel good to hear themselves. It's like." This is how learning is. We learn from each other. You know what I mean? It's like, if I just talked all the time, it's like, I don't know. It's just like, why didn't I write a blog post? Like we have to learn together. So I, I, I talk, I, we give each other space so that we can learn from each other. And thanks for, thanks for teaching us, Yonatan. Thanks for teaching me. That's, that, that's, that's beautiful. And reminds me, I'll just add one more thought to that of a, of a teaching in the Talmud that, that is again, another debate of how the Torah was given. And one says Torah Kuladnitna, the Torah was given as one, the whole five books of Moses, like Nachman is, is saying. And the other one is say, says, accounting for things like Moses coming back down and seeming to declare the revelation and going back up again. And the, the whole Torah is written as Moses getting more and more revelation. Um, the other one says Torah Migilot Migilot Nitna. So the, the Torah was given in, in various scrolls, one after another. Moses was writing this down his whole life, right? And just a little, every time it says, you know, and the Torah uses the Torah, uses the word Torah Hazot, the, this instruction, in lots of different sections, as if, and now I've got some more Torah for you. And now I've got some more Torah. Write this Torah down as well. Write this Torah down as well, okay? So beautiful stuff. Um, I want, we have two other things that we need to do before we finish. So I'm going to move on, but I have to give Matt a chance to respond because Yonatan was just in dialogue with Matt. So I wonder if Matt's got anything to say in response. Um, yeah, I do. Because I do come from a completely different notion of how this worked and what happened. From my understanding, the sort of current best thought is that Deuteronomy was written first as a standalone book it was then expanded into the other four um and then these are the things that and i got it wrong because yonatan's knowledge is like so beyond mine um that were found in the basement and brought up except for that probably never happened either anyway the point being the text is saying this torah because it's referring to deuteronomy but i think we can really Going beyond that, it's saying this Torah because that's the whole thing. And if the whole thing is now five books instead of one, it's still saying that. So while I'm saying the history is different, I really think that what the meaning there is the five books. Because once we've made those five books our Torah, that's what it's talking about. Uh. Blessed, blessed is, blessed is your Torah in this space, Matt. I, I, blessed is your Torah. I, I, I am, I'm so like such a sophisticated way of b both of you in dialogue with one another, disagreeing, but such a sophisticated way of putting a different kind of position, which is that the, who knows how we got the Torah that we have in front of us. Certainly, it happened across a historical span, but, but, and and so when we look at what it means in Deuteronomy that Moshe is saying this book, Moshe is referring to Deuteronomy, and that's the position that the, the rabbis themselves accepted, even within the, the simple understanding of this text. But now we can think about how that then positions Deuteronomy as a kind of a separate book from the rest of the Torah. What point in that history someone said, um, Deuteronomy is the last book of five books that we're stringing together in this way, right? Some would say that moment happened on Mount Sinai, and some would say it happened during like the, you know, like the kingdom of David, but whenever it happened, it created, that, that was a revelation, like that, it created this moment of the five books, and that became 
a paradigm for our people that we're all like jangling around and trying to pick some people un unraveling and some people you know like uh, uh finding nothing but connection in but it's it's a uh, we're yeah the five books is our that's our space that's our playground right that's that's the torah that we know and yet like how we how we and here's here's the, the matt's point not just the sophistication of it, but the important way to, that it needs to be read into the Torah is that again we have all of these different kinds of references to um, um, what Moses is doing, thinking about teaching. Deuteronomy itself seems like a different kind of book than the rest of the Torah. So we have to understand this in the context of Deuteronomy's own narrative and 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 its depiction of of Moshe's Moshe's life and his and his speech and his record as a prophet. Imagine for a moment. It's like almost like it becomes like heresy, you know, because the five books become so sacred. But imagine for a moment that we refer to the four books of the Torah and then the prophet Moses, who wrote the book Deuteronomy, right? Just like the prophet Isaiah wrote the book Isaiah. Like imagine, or, yeah, biblical critics are like, no, two Isaiahs. But imagine that that concept, that way of thought here, um, um, counting down. Oh, but no, you know what? We have eight minutes. Let's see what we can do with with eight minutes. Um, I'm sure we can do marvelous stuff with eight minutes as this group. Um, Jen. Um, I love that we don't really know. <laughs> like this whole conversation of like, did he mean just this section or did he mean this whole section or what? I love it. Um, and it reminds me of grad school. Um, like the first day of grad school, I was assigned a 400 page book that I was absolutely never gonna have time to read. Um, and the whole class freaked out and everybody was like, do I just read this chapter or do we read this? Do I do extra research to understand the, you know, what the book's about? And the next week we got there and what the professor told us is that was the entire point. The entire point was for you to have to figure out what in the book was important, what in the book you needed to engage with at this particular time, how you can understand the book, how you needed to read the book in order to come back. And I didn't tell you because you needed to learn how to do that yourself. Mm. So like to me, the vagueness, because in poetry, things are left vague on purpose too, is meant to make us engage with this, to have to define Torah and then redefine Torah, to have to, you know, in, engage with it in a very active way and like getting kind of meta, that's the poem. Like the hermeneutic is the song. Our mm. relationship with it is, is the art of it. Oh, I love you. I love, I, I just love having you in this group. You, you have such a different way of thinking than I do. And it's always just so startlingly insightful. I, that is such a fantastic way of thinking about the Torah. Now it is, it, it, let me just say, it's, a, it's different than a more classical theology which suggests, which is that every word of the Torah is equally valuable and enduring at all times, equally relevant to us. Jen gives us a little bit of a different vision, which is that different parts of the Torah are pulsing up at different times and like shouting to us at different times. The Torah is a collection of, of all kinds of different Torahs, all kinds of different Torahs. And just think about the way that Leviticus must have been the most important book at some chapters in our history. And then feels sometimes like the least important book at other chapters in our history. Now, again, some would say, no, 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 ever as important, but is it really? And is Deuteronomy as important to us as it was to the people just about to cross? Right? What Torah do we need in this moment? That framework asks us to, to, to wonder about. What is our Torah? What's the Torah that's erupting, emerging, seizing us in this age, right? And what was the Torah in this moment for Moshe? What was the most important thing? It was the things that Moshe was saying right now. This particular, and Jen's twist at the end. And what is the interpretation we need in this age? What's the way of looking at Torah that we need in this? What's the framework for what it is that we call Torah that means something to us? You know, the rabbis didn't just insist that the five books of Moses were the Torah and, and every word of them, the, the divine word of God, just for no reason. They didn't just arbitrarily. It's, it's like that, that vision of the Torah made sense to them or was necessary to them or served their their spiritual needs for a particular mode of interpretation, for a particular response to their history, for a particular um, experience of the Torah that they were seeking, right? And what experience of the Torah are we seeking? Okay. All right. We have one more pass here. And in this last pass, I want what I want to do is I want to play on something else Jen, Jen said, which is the, the, the indeterminacy of it all. The, 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 our inability to actually, and this is 
I, I agree with Jen here. This is like a, this is part of the beauty of the Torah is that it, it leaves itself mysterious. It's not clear what it's doing, okay? So, um, so okay, uh, here is the last passage that we'll look at uh, today that I think um, suggests or helps us understand um, why it is a little confusing distinguishing between the Torah and the song and why that other opinion in the Talmud in fact suggests they're all one and the same. Just look at the, the language here of the end of um, Parshat Vayelech. Remember, Moses wrote down the, the song and taught it to the Israelites, and Moses um, uh, had written down the Torah, right? And um, that also was something that was to be learned by the Israelites. So already there's a little bit of a like parallelism, but now the last the last uh, bit of Parshat Vayelech um, ends, Vayi kichalot Moshe lichtov et divrei Torah al sefer ad tumam. When Moses had put down the, the writing, um, in writing, the words of this Torah, oh, and now you know what? This is a mistranslation. Um, in a book to the very end. Okay? Moses finished writing down the words of this, this book to the very end. And that starts to sound like something maybe a little bigger, or maybe it's Deuteronomy, right? We've, now we've, you know, we've got plenty to play with here in terms of, of how we might interpret this. Um, Moses charged the Levites who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Eternal saying, take this book of the Torah, and place it beside the Ark of the Covenant of your God, the Eternal. In case you thought that wasn't implied earlier, take this book and it'll be right there with the tablets. And that in itself is a move. Right? Moshe is taking this book and attaching it to the tablets, which were the, the record of the, of, the, of the 10 utterances of God, and let it remain there as a witness upon you. Do you remember where we saw that before? Just above. The, the, uh, the shira was a witness. The poem is a witness. Well, wait, now the Torah is a witness. Now, of course, they could both be witnesses, but like, that's interesting. We just wrote down the song as a witness. Now we're writing down the Torah as a witness. Maybe it's the same thing. And then if that weren't enough, listen to the way the Parsha ends. Well, I know how defiant and stiff-necked you are, even now while I'm still alive in your midst. This is, I, I actually think this is a pretty funny line. I, I know, well, I know how defiant and stiff-necked you are, even now while I'm still alive in your midst. You have been defiant towards the eternal. How much more than when I am dead? Like, it's like, when I'm not around, you're going to go crazy. Gather to me all the elders of your tribes and your officials that I may speak all these words to them and that I may call heaven and earth to witness against them. Sounds like he's about to um, speak out the words of Hazinu, right? That's what Hazinu says, heaven and earth, witness against them. So that all seems like the Hazinu is separate, a poem. For I know that when I am dead, you will act wickedly and turn away from the path that I enjoined on you that in time to come, misfortune will befall you for having done evil in the sight of the eternal whom you vexed by your deeds. Moshe ends on a grumpy note, not surprisingly. And then he says, then Moshe recited by the bear Moshe Bosnei kol kahal Yisrael et divrei hashira hazot. Ad tumam. And then Moshe recited the words of this poem, this song, this shira in the ears of the whole congregation, just like hakel, just like that gathering ceremony to the very end to the very end, and to the very end is a phrase which echoes because we just heard it at the beginning of this passage because the words of the Torah were written down in the book, ad tumam, to the very end, okay? So Parshat Vayelech itself is blurring the lines between the poetry and the prose of what we think of as Torah, as what we think of as the enduring witness and testimony um, from our people, from our, from our prophet from our prophet and from our, from, our, from our God. What is it? Is it a book, a book of instruction? Is it laws? And now we're asking real questions. What is the nature of Torah? Is Torah mitzvot primarily? Is it stories? Is it song? Is it poetry, right? Is it divine revelation? Is it the encounter with the divine? Is it a record of our history? What is Torah? What is, what is this book that we study? And as we ask that, 
let's also close by thinking about um, the book that we're talking about so much at this time of year, Sefer Achaim, the book of, of life, the book of our lives. And let's think a little bit about what, it, what the book of our life is. How would we write down the legacy of our existence? That's what we're thinking about these, these days. And would we put it down in the form of prose or would we write a poem? And would we give advice to the next generation or would we just leave them something beautiful? What will be our safe air? What will be our book? What will be our witness to the next generation? That's something to think about as we head into these next, these next holidays. Okay, um, love you all. Thank you for your Torah. What a, what a powerful, I just feel so, so gratified by this. And um, we will have class next week. We will indeed. We got to finish this Torah. Ad tumam to the very end. Okay. See you. Uh, see you next week. Okay, that's it. A taste of our weekly Parsha class. Uh, I want to thank everyone who came to the class, some of whose voices you may have heard today, uh, some you didn't because the podcast has been edited. So just want to thank everybody. Um, and speaking of editing, I want to thank also our uh, editor, Vera Blossom, for her great work. If you'd like to join our class sometime and come and, and join our, our circle of, of Torah geeks, you can find us uh, again Thursdays, 12 p.m., online at ikar.org, that's I-K-A-R.org. And uh, and if you go to the calendar, uh, then you can find a Zoom link and just click in. And um, and in the section uh, on the website uh, that that uh, we keep our classes, you can, if you click on Parsha Study, you'll find all of our archive classes and source sheets and everything we discussed there. So if you're looking for a regular Parsha class, I'd love to see you. Um, and, uh, and in the meantime, I will talk to you next week. <laughs>